Hi Emmaus, welcome back to the Proclaim and Display podcast, episode 18, where we help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. Back in the studio today with Jaron. What's going on, everybody? But no Kennedy. Boo. Boo, yeah. So a few weeks ago, Kennedy wasn't able to be with us because she was on a jet plane somewhere. But today, where in the world is Kennedy Lee? Hugh continues because she's on a church band somewhere. Uh, They're taking the Sparrows ministry to an Oklahoma City Dodgers game today, so Kennedy couldn't be here. Uh, Amigos, if you don't know about Sparrows, Sparrows is a local program and ministry for young adults with special needs, and these young adults and their families are constantly doing activities and meeting together and going places, and Kennedy is able to to help with that. So if you're not familiar with the Sparrows, just an incredible ministry. They have every year, well, I say every year, for the last several years, they've hosted a dance here at Emmaus, one of my favorite events of the year. Jaron, have you yes. made it to the Sparrows dance yet? Man, that is I've been to a few Sparrows events, but I've not been to the dance. I've got to, I've got to get that on my calendar because I, I think I could bring the house down. They, they would appreciate your moves. <laughs> like, I, I, do you, do you have dance moves that you're like hiding from us on stage on uh, Sunday mornings? I or, mean, uh, I, you know, I don't know that I'd call them dance moves, but I don't sit still. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I, really, <laughs> I think the uh, the sparrows next year at their dance would thoroughly love it if you were uh, if you were there. There's, I might become a spectacle in a negative way, so that may. Maybe and, you really think they that. And today, and today when we're recording, you missed your chance to go to another baseball game. You could have gone to the Oklahoma oh, City Dodgers right. game. So I wasn't invited, probably because they knew my uh, my thoughts on the whole baseball well, situation. What are your thoughts on baseball, Jerry? I mean, I don't want to create a whole group of people <laughs> to just stop listening to the podcast because I am not fond of baseball, which I have had two of my sons play, and one is currently playing. I I have grown in my appreciation of baseball. Good, but. Growing up, I wasn't a baseball guy. I I just don't watch them on TV. Yeah, but it. actually going to a Dodgers game, being there for the experience, is probably a good yearly activity for me. Nice, nice. Because you're going to a lot of junior high baseball games right now. <laughs> we see each other at the junior high baseball games all the time now. So did you did you ever go to an 89ers baseball I game did. back at the old fairgrounds? Yeah. Yeah. Bring the glove, you know, just oh, in case you catch a ball. That hill on the yes. left Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I definitely had that in my, in my member bank. No, so. that, that's fantastic. So, uh, well, Kennedy isn't here today, but we do have a guest in the studio, Jasmine Biggs. Yes. Jasmine, welcome. Hello, hello. Good to have you, Jazz. Yeah. It's good to be here. First time in a podcast studio, Jasmine? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we say podcast studio, we, we hold that loosely, but we are we're really glad. Us. Okay, uh, dance or baseball for you, Jasmine? What are, uh, what are the what are the I hobbies? I always wanted to be a dancer, but okay. I never had the opportunity. So <laughs> yeah. I garden. I really enjoy getting back in my backyard. It's good for my mental health. It's oh, yeah. good for the fresh air. And I have a little mini orchard and flowers and oh. herbs and whatnot. Got a, um, oh. Vegetables even. So it's it's fun. Got a pretty <laughs> cool situation brewing over at the Biggs house. That's uh that's a that's when when you said you like to garden. I mean, I thought like a couple of potted plants out oh, in the no. front so like you mean like serious we, gardening. we were blessed with a, a, a decent size yard it's still in the suburbs but it's a decent size yard so we have like a dozen fruit trees and blueberries going and i'm trying to get some uh, blackberries going this year like so yeah we oh. really oh, enjoy that's, fan- that's fantastic these. yeah the fact that she can use the word orchard 
Like that, <laughs> that's, that's impressive. What, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, my uh, my grandparents. Loosely, loosely. Yeah, no, no, no. My grandparents had a, an orchard, and so oh man, so many good memories uh, coming mm-hmm. back from that. I'm semi jealous, not semi jealous. I'm really jealous <laughs> of that. Like that's uh, that's super cool. So well, and we want to use our yard for hospitality. That's a big passion of mine. Is using what God has given us to serve the body and to serve my community. And so really creating almost a haven. You know, my, one of my favorite activities is going to the botanical gardens, you oh, know, yeah. in different cities and yeah. different states. And so I always want to like take those beautiful garden metropolises and like make it, shrink it to my backyard. Yeah. You go. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. What a, that's a great aspirational goal. I, I love that. So. <laughs> It'll take a couple decades, but yeah, we'll get you're working on it. You got time. <laughs> that, that seems to be part of the, uh, the, theological background of gardening though is it's not immediate mm-hmm. it takes time you have mm-hmm. to cultivate Absolutely. these things over yeah. over time so well, if, you th- if you think about it scripture starts it starts in a garden it does and it ends in a garden city it does you know and jesus shows up as a gardener after the resurrection mm-hmm. and so yeah there's a lot of good sounds garden like another podcast that sounds like we need to go down that <laughs> that road at some point so uh no Emmaus, if you don't know jasmine um her and her husband zach and Sweet little girl Rose have been a part of our church for several years. Jasmine, I don't, honestly, I don't fully remember the story. How did you guys get connected at Emmaus back in the day? So we had some friends that attended here and we were looking for a place to connect because we just had had our baby. (laughs) She was, I think, almost one, maybe, when we we joined. (laughs) Um, And so when we found Emmaus, it was a really good fit for our values and our family and finding a community of friends who are also in kind of a similar life stage. And Emmaus has been a huge gift to our family. Um, And my husband, if you haven't met him, his name is Zach, and he loves to storm chase. He does landscape photography. He's phenomenal. I love him. And then we have a little, she's now four, a four-year-old firecracker. (laughs) Rose is a fiery redhead and lives up to the the redheaded stereotype personality. (laughs) (laughs) But she's just a sweetheart and we love her a lot. Well, you guys are an incredible gift to our church. And I'm hoping one of these days soon, in fact, it may be within the next couple of days, I'm hoping to get out with Zach and go go storm chasing. So yeah, if this works out. Jared and I, we're very amateur armchair storm chasers when it comes to this and Zach's actually a professional so uh, yeah yeah we need to be connected with that so no that's that's a lot of fun you guys have been an amazing gift to our our church family in so many ways and so back up uh for our church family Jasmine that they don't know you as well tell us a little bit about your story just your testimony God's faithfulness God's work in your life uh what, what do you want to share with us about that Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I love sharing my testimony. It has a lot to do with what I do with apologetics, which right. we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I always I always think my testimony sort of starts with my dad, actually. And my, both my parents, really. But both of my parents were first-generation believers. And um, my dad, when he was a college student, um, he grew up in an atheist home. He'd never been a Christian or exposed to Christianity. Um, but one night, you know, he's studying his French homework and some cute girls invited him to Bible study. <laughs> and he's like, French homework, cute girls. <laughs> ah, go with the cute girls. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> so, so, you know, not the greatest motivation to go to Bible study, but it got him in the door. Yeah. And the, the, the friends that he made there really challenged him and said, hey, you need to look at the evidence for the resurrection, the historical, factual evidence. And so, you know, my dad is like the most driest, most rational person, you know, you know, he, uh, so he just like, it was very unemotional. It was just like, well, I guess I have to look into this now. And so he did like three or four months of research, read a bunch of books and came to the conclusion that the resurrection is a historical fact. 
So he made the unemotional decision that he had to become a Christian because this was a fact. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's like people say apologetics never converted anybody. Well, <laughs> you haven't met my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, was like, that was a huge gift for him, obviously. And my mom eventually ended up meeting my mom and they started a family. Um, and so, yeah. And, and so, just interrupting, your mom, she came to faith, I guess, a little bit later in life as well. Yeah, like, she yeah. also in her young adult yeah. years. And she yeah. came from not a great um, home sure, background. Sure. And yeah, so yeah. Christianity so the, was very healing for her I, also. Perfect, um, yeah. So that was kind of the, the heritage there. Yeah, right? yeah. And so then as they raised our family, um, we were in a variety of different church situations, um, both in high school and beyond, that were – I had I have 10 years of church hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and just – I've experienced legalism. I've experienced varieties of kind of um, just really not great church situations. Sure. And so what I love about the apologetics that my dad gave me is that it kept me in the faith. Yeah. You know, I might have had a horde of wolves <laughs> try to tear, wolves in sheep clothing, yeah, try yeah. to tear me apart, but I, the shepherd has never hurt me, mm. you know. Yeah. And so apologetics is huge to me because it, kept me following Jesus as I tried to extricate myself from a lot of situations that were not good, safe Christian communities. Yeah. You know, so that's something I care a lot about. Apologetics isn't just for converting people who don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's also for helping people to keep loving Jesus. You know, apologetics as discipleship, apologetics as something that all of us need (laughs) so that we can walk with Jesus no matter what life throws at us. You know. No, that's that's really good. So you, I, I want to come back to that apologetics piece here in a second. Did you come to faith in Christ as a little girl, like growing up? Yeah, in that I, home? I was... prayed the prayer when I was four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember that moment, and yeah. uh, that was a special moment. But it was definitely kind of a. I understood it then, but sure. I continued to grow in my understanding throughout. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my you know childhood and teen years and into adulthood. So there were like I think several sort of inflection points along the journey of yeah. like yeah. I can choose right now to keep following Jesus or to walk away. I can keep choosing to follow Jesus. Or, you know, when I went to college and suddenly I didn't have my parents checking up on me to make sure I had my Bible time every <laughs> right, day. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I can decide if I want to do this for myself or not. Or am I going to find a church or not? You know, so there were those moments where I had to kind of recommit and keep following Jesus throughout that time. So it's not like a once and done thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much a process. No, I like that. I, I think uh, we've talked on the podcast before about... How do we speak to our kids about faith and salvation and and how old kids are when they understand things? And we know that you could be a fully formed, mature adult and respond to the gospel. And that doesn't mean you know everything at that moment. Anytime we respond to the gospel, there's going to be an ever-growing understanding Mm -hmm. of the gospel and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so you could be four, you could be 24, you could be 94. You know, whenever you respond to the gospel... Mm -hmm the way we grow in that, it does develop over time. And so, and you use the phrase inflection points and just the idea that there are certain moments in life that seem to deepen our faith and solidify our faith and continue to propel us forward. And so, Mm -hmm. no, I think that's a good way. I think too, one of the things you said, like, like even in my own experience, I feel like not to normalize a crisis in faith or that moment in time, Mm -hmm. but in a sense, that's the way sometimes God uses to grow and strengthen us. And so sometimes oh, yeah. the crisis in itself is a crisis. Like, why am I struggling? Mm-hmm. Why am I dealing with this yeah. situation? And I just, I think it's important as you're trying to communicate, mm-hmm. those things are, 
are doors to walk through, opportunities right. to grow. Not necessarily something that's crippling and should be despairing. Yeah, and I think also it's important to normalize struggling, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like in the sense that like all of us are going to have doubts and questions in our Christian walk. And I'm a very intensely questioning person. And so I'll like really dig into those doubts. You know, I'll really want to go in deep and research and that's been incredibly beneficial for my faith because as I ask the questions, then I find a deeper answer. Mm, yeah. And as I find that deeper answer, suddenly I'm re, uh, uh, reinforced in a deeper foundation and deeper, you know, uh, foundations yeah. that help me to keep walking with Jesus even deeper and even better. And that way I can answer that question when my friend answers, asks it to me. So like doubts are an opportunity to grow yeah but they don't make you like a bad person right something. no no <laughs> yeah. that's that's really good and that does bring us right back around to that that apologetics piece people hear the word apologetics and you know there's misunderstandings about what that means so give us the elevator speech for okay. what do we what do we mean when we use that word apologetics because uh you're doing some teaching about that maybe this would also be a good time to talk about some of the recent schoolwork you've done as well. You oh, can kinda, yeah. You can kind of weave that in. So um, mm. I guess what we're get us going on this apologetics training piece for people that are listening that want to grow in their faith, mm-hmm. their friends and family ask hard questions, all this. So oh, yeah. give us the elevator speech. Talk to us a little bit about the study you've done, and then we'll kind of roll the conversation from there. So Awesome. Yeah. So the very first thing I always have to say when I talk about apologetics is that it doesn't mean you're apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because the word sounds similar, but it actually the word apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which just means to make a defense. It's kind of the idea of being an attorney or a lawyer, right? right? And so uh, when we're we're making a defense for our faith, we're answering the questions about our faith. Like, how can you believe that? What about this? Like, it's being equipped to answer those questions because, and that gives us boldness to be able to make friends with our coworkers or our, you know, mom friends or whoever your circle is, your friends at school or fellow students or whatever, because you're not afraid that they're going to ask because you already know a, a way that you're going to answer. Whereas if you have no idea how you're going to answer, you may be afraid to really engage with your community, yeah. right? And so apologetics is really just being equipped mm-hmm. to be able to love our neighbors. And, and I it think, comes out of that, is it that First Peter 3, 315, uh, 315 yeah. passage there? Yeah, always ready to give a defense. So. Yeah, defense, let's see if I can get it from memory. No, 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 that's, <laughs> I, I put us both on the spot here. But yeah. <laughs> uh, always be ready to give a defense for the hope within you yeah. to anyone who asks you, but do this with gentleness and respect, yeah. and that's often missed. Yeah. And I think that's a crucial point is that apologetics sometimes get a, gets a bad rap for being for nerdy intellectuals who just want to destroy their opponents, mm. right? And it's really not. Like, the purpose of knowledge is to love our neighbors. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's you know, really good. We grow in our ability to talk about our faith and to answer these questions, not so that we, we – we, if, if we're winning the argument but losing the person, we've lost. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with that. I heard that somewhere. No, but. no, no, but that's a, that's a great reminder in this. So talk to us about how you've gained some of those arguments and, and, mm-hmm. and gained some of that knowledge recently. Uh, wh- where have you been learning from? What, what have you been doing recently? So I just graduated in December with my master's, Master of Arts in Apologetics um, from Houston Baptist University, which has now changed their name to Houston Christian University, just if you look it up. Right. It's the same. Uh, so... But basically, um, when we're talking about apologetics, we are talking about 
the scientific, historical, philosophical evidence or reasons why the faith is true. So you're diving into history. How do we know this is a historical fact? We're diving into science. How do we know this is a scientific fact? There isn't a science. We, we think there's a science-faith kind of battle, but it's actually um, complementary because if yeah. God created the whole world, then he created how science works. There's yeah. not really a division there. So how does science support faith? How yeah, does philosophy yeah. support faith? How does art, how does yeah. music, how does yeah. film um, show us the beauty and the goodness of of the gospel and of the gospel story um, and, and of Christian truth in general. It's not just, you know. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So who have you learned from? Like, who are your mentors in this? I, I guess we're talking local church, you know, people that influence mm-hmm. you, but also authors and professors and, and mm-hmm. who who's helped you in this area? Yeah. So a lot of different people have helped me over the years. Um, it's almost like narrowing down it to just a couple, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, one that really comes to mind, um, his name was uh, Peter Van Ellswick, and he was uh, getting his PhD in philosophy when I met him. Uh, but I went to this camp, and he was sort of my small group leader, if you will. And I and it was, and the camp was about learning to engage with your faith in a deeper way through reading philosophy, through going to the art museum. Like, how do you see Jesus there? You know. And I asked him because I was, at the time I was thinking about majoring in philosophy for my undergrad. I ended up going for communication, um, but I was thinking about philosophy, and I asked him like. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a homeschool senior in high school who's kind of like terrified of engaging with the real world <laughs> to some extent. And I asked him, like, I'm going to go study philosophy. Who are the safe authors? Tell me which authors are the good ones. Like, I should go read Plato, but I shouldn't go read Nietzsche. Like, who, who am I supposed to read and who am I not supposed to read? And he told me something that changed my life in that moment. He said, Jasmine, there are no safe authors. Huh. Every person believes a mixture of truth and falsehood. Hmm. And if you believe that, you know, C.S. Lewis is 100% right about everything, you're going to not be critical or discerning, you know, uh, thinking carefully in in case he missed something. You might accept something wrong that he believed. And if you think that Plato, oh, he wasn't a Christian, everything he thinks is worthless, you know, because he's wrong about everything. Like, you're going to miss some good that's there. So you have, like, there are no safe authors. You have to think critically about every author Mm -hmm. that you read, and that way you can gain the good that's in Plato, you might, you might even be able to glean a little bit of truth from Nietzsche, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though you wouldn't necessarily, you know, like got a lot of things wrong. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, and so that really freed me to say, instead of like kind of canceling, oh, that's a bad author. I can't read them. They're, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. I'll only read this one or this one. He's like, no, how do we engage with and gain and glean from a lot of different perspectives. And that has really enriched my journey because yeah. I can learn from C.S. Lewis. I can learn from Plato. I can learn from Aquinas. Yeah. You know, Aquinas was a Catholic. I'm yeah. not a Catholic. I yeah. can't learn from him. Well, no, he had some good things to offer. Yeah. And so that really frees you. That perspective really frees me, freed me and could free you to engage with the world instead of kind of having to cower if they disagree with you on one point. No, that's if really that makes sense. That's extremely helpful. I really resonate with that. I, I think uh, in, in my own story, personally, um, my experience at Oklahoma Baptist University did that for me, where as people were talking about going to OBU, going to seminary, they're like, don't get there and let all that education and don't let all that learning, you know, mess with your faith when it was the very opposite that happened for me, like the learning process and the critical engagement was what energized my faith. Uh, deepened your faith. Deepened my faith. Yeah. Didn't, didn't take away from that. And the, the ability to interact with people that we don't 
agree with on everything mm-hmm. and yet engage them and have a scriptural foundation for that. Mm-hmm. And hearing you say that, it's just so radically different than what we see most of the time oh, around yeah. us. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. The idea of canceling everybody or I'm going to draw these boundaries, build these fences, and I can't interact with anybody except people who already agree with me. And mm-hmm. right. goodness, we know how toxic it gets when you get in an echo chamber like that. Oh, yeah. And you, well, and we like kind of, I think, criticize the other side for cancel culture. Sure. Right? But like if your, your friend disagrees with you on one theological point, unfriend. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like yeah. We, do, we do it too, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's so important to be able to – I mean, hopefully not as much, but sometimes some do, you know. And so how can we resist that polarizing tribal sort of effect? Like, I, I kind of take pride a little bit, like, just not bad pride. You know? No, no, I hear <laughs> but, you. Yeah, yeah. But just it's important like, to you. What, uh, something that I've worked really hard to cultivate, let's put it that way, yeah. is friendships with a variety of different kinds of people. Yes, And absolutely. so I just yeah. am very happy whenever, like, a big event happens or an election or something and I can scroll my Facebook and see perspectives opposite perspectives from different voices yeah. and I'm still friends with them and I still have a good relationship with those people it's not just like my whole feed is an echo chamber yeah you know no that's that's really good I feel like for me personally it's it's like learning from the Bereans and acts yeah. where they yes. you know they they were constantly going to the word mm-hmm. but also seeing in me how it's been easier for me to set up walls instead of rely on the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. guide me and to use wise discernment to navigate those things. It's safer, it feels like to me, to just, mm-hmm. you know, right. create the wall and then I don't have to worry about it. Right. No, I think that speaks to something really important is that often I think we jump to critique. <laughs> you know, if we disagree on, if you're an atheist and I'm a Christian, I want to attack your atheism, right? But what if we both really agree that... Um, I, I don't know, like a particular, um, you know, we need to care for the poor in our community. Like that's a piece of common ground that we have. Mm-hmm. And I can really like build on that. Like I, I had a beloved grandfather who passed away and he didn't know the Lord, but he was a, a lover of the arts and he was the conductor at his local orchestra and he helped teach youth music for years and years and years. I don't should just engage with him in a, you're an atheist, so you're bad. Kind of, you know, like, because he's a beloved, you know, he's made in the image of God. Yeah. And he loves music, and I love music, and we can share that interest, that commonality. And so we, we instead of just jumping to critique, we have to cultivate that common ground. Yeah. And I think that that, Emmaus, as you're thinking through this in your own life, and what does this look like, um, the those common ground connections, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes theologians will call them common grace, just those things we enjoy together in the world they so often become the pathway yeah. for having these conversations right. of, about saving grace and about the gospel. And so we find those points of connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, an author named Glenn Scribner is really good on this. He's done some good work. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, she does some good work in this area, just where how do you find those points of connection with people and then use that as an opportunity to, to share the gospel, to, to share your faith. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left here, Jasmine. This is, we could go forever on this. Like, I love this. And I know, uh, Emmaus, if you do have questions about apologetics and you want some resources and places to get started, reach out to me anytime. I'll get you in connection with Jasmine. She'll, uh, she'll put you towards some good things. If you were thinking about, let's say, two or three theological apologetic topics, mm-hmm. that would be a good place for people to start. You know, mm-hmm. 
the hardest thing is a, as a Christian sometimes is you're just so scared that your friend's going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to. <laughs> and let me just tell you, someone who has studied a lot and I have a PhD in the New Testament, I get asked questions all the time that I have no idea, idea right, how to right. answer. Like that. <laughs> so it's, it's not so much having all the answers, it's knowing how to go about engaging mm-hmm. those questions and finding those answers. But if people wanted to say, okay, I need to learn a couple of things, uh-huh. Just with a couple of minutes to go, give us a few areas that they could focus on and then yeah. we'll kind of wrap up. Okay, so the very first thing that I have to say, because it was so helpful for me, learn to love the phrase, I don't know. Mm, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I was on an outreach ministry thing one time and I was like, what do I do if I, they don't know the answer? If they ask me a question, they're like, say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I can help you find the answer. Yeah, like, that's good. If someone asks me a question and I, I don't know, I'm like, you know, I really don't know the answer to that, but I do know this and then talk about, you know, I, I don't know about this social issue, but I do know that Christ is Lord and he was raised from the dead, you know, and let's look, look up a book together. Let's read it together. Like we don't have, to, we all have a limited amount of life experience. We None of us have read all of the books. Yeah. So it's okay that you don't know all the answers. Give yourself that freedom. And then I would say um, we've, I and the church kind of wrote together, pulled together this sort of book list. You know, if you went into my living room, you'd see floor to ceiling books, you know, (laughs) there's so many books on so many topics. Um, So if you want that, like, please reach out to us and we can get it to you, uh, that book list of on a lot of different topics. But I I would say like, first, maybe do a sort of general primer Mm -hmm. that kind of hits on a lot of different topics. One that I really enjoyed as a high schooler and was very approachable for me in high school. So it's kind of a good starting point, I think, would be it's titled, um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Right. Um, yeah, that's a, that's Frank, a well... Frank Turek yeah, and Norman yeah. Geisler, I mm-hmm. think. is a, That's a great, like, sort of primer on a bunch of different issues. Science, postmodernism, you know, theism, the resurrection, like, all of those things. Yeah, so I've kind of had sort of a sort of a base baseline. And then I think the next topic that you should study is one that is relevant in your circle. Mm, so if your kid is yeah. struggling with sort of gender dysphoria... You know, maybe you're not going to go study science and faith. Maybe you're going to study gender issues, yeah, yeah. right? Or if your coworker is really struggling with, you know, when the church has done harm, harm in history, like maybe you go read a book on that. There's one yeah, called that's Bully, really Bullies and Saints. That's yes, really a yeah. good, good look at sort of the good and bad of Christian history. Like maybe that's where you go. So you kind of like do what you need for your community and your circle. That's really wise. I, I like that. Yeah, in Emmaus, we do. We have that uh, book list. Jasmine has put, some, put together some notes. And so I have that. Obviously, she has that. We'll we'll, we'll get that to you. Um, Jasmine, I feel like this is the, uh, we scratched the surface of oh, yeah. uh, a multi-hour <laughs> conversation. And so this is really, this has been really enjoyable, really encouraging to me. Um, Jaron, we pray for your friends, Absolutely. The, the bigs, and pray for our church family and that the gospel will continue to go out, that we'll be ready to, to give a defense for the hope that we have. So pray for us. Absolutely. God, we're just humbled again by your grace in our life. Lord, how you start a work in us to see our, our rebellion, our, uh, our resistance to your authority in our life, but you open our eyes to also see your kindness and your love and how you came after us to rescue us. And uh, Lord, to uh, save us from ourselves um, and then continue to grow us little by little, progressively throughout our lives to continue to grow in our understanding of what it means to be saved by a kind God. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you how you put people in the church to help us, to equip us for that journey. 
And uh, Lord, uh, today is an example of that. I thank you for the bigs, their friendship to me and how my family has been encouraged by them as we observe and as we listen and uh, live together in circles. And so I'm just thankful for that. Lord, I, I pray, uh, Lord, specifically today that this podcast would be an encouragement to those who are hearing um, these things today, Lord, that uh, maybe they're discouraged or maybe they're in a, in a season of crisis of faith or they know of folks who are or they have friends or coworkers who are resistant to the good news of Jesus. And uh, Lord, I pray that this would start a journey for them where they begin to explore and understand um, how you can use us to uh, reach uh, the people in our life, Lord, and to be an extension of your hands and feet. And so, God, I just uh, I thank you for how you're at work in our church and uh, at work in our community. Lord, give us eyes to see and feet to move. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you. May I see you thank soon. Thank you, guys.